as we approach the final episodes of Enterprise, Clay, I was surprised to learn that uh, mm. David Livingston directed this one, which is called United. This is his final directorial credit across Star Trek, and he is the most prolific Star Trek director to this point. Can you guess really? how many episodes of Star Trek he directed? And I'll give you a second to think about it, but um, I'll let you know he directed TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise episodes. Um I was just struck by that because that made it, that really hit as like an end of an era kind of thing. The most prolific director goes out at the same time the Enterprise is yeah. wrapping up and it's uh, all mm. we have, have have after this is modern Star Trek, that Discovery and Picard and stuff like that. So what would you guess? How many jelly beans are in the jar for episodes that this guy directed? Well, he really did set the template for what was to come later because there was a nice... Uh camera circling around two people talking about nonsense oh, in this episode. Yeah, that's so, right. You're really, talking about really Travis and Hoshi time. at the, the, the <clears throat> dinner table? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, across three series, I'm going to say 20. 62. Ah, way off. Close. 62, which is uh, a good amount of episodes to direct, but that's it. I don't really have anything else to say about that. I was just, when I was reading the memory alpha for the episode, I was struck by that. It seemed like, oh, that's that's kind of a sad statistic. It's not sad. It's a, it's a very interesting career statistic, but it's sad that it was also his final, and it also makes it obviously very clear that Enterprise is ending. So let's move a little when bit closer. You, uh, when you had mentioned this, I was trying to think up a, uh, a riff on the old Dr. Livingston, I presume. Mm-hmm. The David Livingston, I presume. And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, that is a joke that is probably 75 years old. (laughs) And I don't even know what the origin is. Nobody probably would get it if I said it. Mm -hmm. And I think I only know it because I think Bugs Bunny used to do it a lot on Looney Tunes. But uh, so I would love to know the origin of that joke. I'm sure there's someone out there listening that knows it. It's from a a book, right? It's... um I think, yeah, it's some Robin Crusoe. Yeah. Is it something like that? No. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is it? Maybe. I might be way off with that and embarrassing myself, but it's it's from some novel. Um, is it, that a joke people still make? I feel like it was everywhere. When I was a kid watching stuff, comedy things that were made 20 years, 30 years before I was born, I feel like everybody, everything had a Dr. Livingston, I presume, joke in it. It's up there with like, um, it was a dark, cold night, right? Like that's actually a line from literature. I think. Oh, a dark and stormy night. Dark and stormy night. I th- I think that's yes. That yeah. is, it that is from an actual story that became a cliche. Yeah, uh, because uh, of how dark and stormy it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, I think it's just one of those things that it's like it's a famous line that becomes applicable so often that you can say it. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Nothing, nothing else you can say about it. It was the blurst of times, or the um. Because I think even the Royale makes fun of that. It was a dark, stormy night. I think that's how the book of the TNG Royale episode opens, and Picard goes, oh, oy vey. Anyway, let's talk about United <laughs> and bring ourselves one step closer to the end of Enterprise. This is United. It's the 13th episode, lucky number 13 of season four. It came out on the 4th of February, 2005. It is two of three in the Romulan interference arc. Teleplay goes to Judith and Garfield Reeves-Stevens, their third script of the season so far, story by Manny Cotto, directed by David Livingston, as I said before, in universe date, November 15th, 2154. In this episode called United, 
Archer tries to unify the Andorians, Tellarites, humans, and Vulcans in a plan to capture a marauder ship threatening to destabilize the region. Well, we were pretty negative in the last episode. I think we both gave it a three, but we <laughs> we were fairly negative yeah. on the episode yes. overall. Yeah. This struck me as um, a repeat of the Augment arc, where the second episode is way better than the first one, in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. Would you agree yeah. with that? I would. Um, <clears throat> I found the, you know, it's it's tough because you got to, you gotta you gotta have stuff for people to do in these shows, right? Um, do and you? I felt like the stuff. <laughs> I mean, maybe not. This, yeah. this is the first time they've ever had to consider that. If that's the case, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the best stuff in this episode was people just talking in a room. So, mm-hmm. uh, but like the the trip and read stuff just really felt like old school enterprise to me where it was just sort of like business for the sake of business to kind of position some stuff like because they weren't you know there wasn't really anything you weren't really learning anything new or getting anything really narratively satisfying out of that stuff it yep. was just danger um i well to be to then, be clear yeah and not to say not to interrupt you but i think this is mm-hmm. this is very much an enterprise episode this is not transcending mm-hmm. enterprise but i thought it was a good enterprise right yes episode. yeah yeah, I and I would agree. I because I think where the trip and read stuff was kind of run of the mill for me. Um, I really liked all the other stuff. I thought all the stuff with uh, the Andorians and the Tellarites was was really interesting. Um, and uh, I'm curious to see where they're going to go because I just assumed they weren't going to unite until the end of the arc, but they seem to have done it at the end of this episode. Um, so I'm curious to see what the Romulans have up their sleeves with their. Uh, Litter, little Edgar Winter yeah. pilot they got there. <laughs> yeah, we were we talked about it. I guess we were both half right and half wrong. You were like, "Do you think that that guy some under the mask is somebody that we know?" And I said, "No, we don't I, know them, but yeah. we know them in a weird way." Yeah, it's a weird split of pairs. I the the amount of times they were showing that guy and like the fact that he was so central and had such a ridiculous helmet on. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "There's got to be something of significance under that helmet," and. It was. Imagine if one of the Daft Punk guys. Imagine if both of the Daft, Daft Punk guys took their helmets off, and it was Edgar and Johnny Winter. <laughs> that would have been. Is that a career? Really redefine, <laughs> redefining yeah, a career. I, yes. Right there? Yeah. Talk about reinventing yourself. Uh, um, that Andorian is strange. I don't. I don't know if that's the the helmet is doing something to him, or if he's a strange Andorian. You know what I mean? He like he looks mm-hmm. odd, so I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, I thought it's funny you say the trip in the read stuff was like typical Enterprise because I think that while while I liked this episode, I think it is squarely an Enterprise episode, and it has moments of yeah. like yeah. moments of greatness mixed with moments of like what the fuck is going on. My WTF moment in this is I really hate the Archer and Tran knife fight thing that they got going on Uh, so i'm torn about this that is clearly i think that the judith and garfield reef stevens are a decent writing squad on this show they've written the forge and they wrote observer effect so far which i think are two solid entries um in addition to this one they're famous from uh the badass podcast they wrote a bunch of the batman episodes from that Mm -hmm. um 
Which I never pointed out because I don't pay attention to that. Well, stuff, we hadn't so. made it to season four, so you didn't know who the hell they were at this oh, point. Oh, I see. Um, I'm torn about the Arch and Tran thing because it, more than anything else in this episode, it felt like it was an attempt to bridge the divide between Enterprise and TOS because I could easily see Kirk doing something like this. Yep. I just feel that it's tough for the show Enterprise to do things like that because when the rest of the episode feels more modern and nuanced in some ways to bust out the, now we're going to link this to TOS by having a knife fight with the other captain and a sort of like honor tradition. Um, it just lands flat for me. Cheesy. I didn't like the fact that Archer beat him in combat somehow. Yeah, like, no, he should have killed Archer within a minute <laughs> or two, like very quickly, I think. Yes. They, they've been talking up. He's like, he's been raised since birth to to wield this weapon on the icy plains of Antoria. And Archer imagine, doesn't do anything special. He just beats him. Uh, uh, yeah, imagine like what I thought was going to happen because I thought this would be cooler is uh, Archer knows he can't win, but he also knows that Shran might not kill him mm -hmm. and so he goes into this fight and basically rockies his way to the final round and shran just kicks the shit out of him <laughs> right, just yeah. but he won't kill him right he just keeps getting him trying to get him to yield because he doesn't want to kill him and then finally at the end he's like i am not going to yield and it's one of those things where his uh his commitment to the to the bit here wins shran over like that's that's as honorable for him as anything else would have been yeah and so he wins by not winning essentially yeah because like i thought that when they had that scene with uh um with with mayweather and, and hoshi where they're talking about mayweather's father also being in a duel but he found a loophole to get out <laughs> i was like what's this loophole gonna be and the loophole apparently is you have to win yeah but just maim him, not actually kill him. I was yeah. like, well, that's not really a loophole. <laughs> you use the you use the loophole excuse if you can't win, right? right? That's when you use the loophole. Right. Like Archer could have killed Shran there. He was choking yeah. the life out of him for a good thirty seconds, and then he just decided to maim him instead. I I thought it was I thought that that was silly. Um, I didn't really like. I think it's the weakest part to me is that I didn't really like the Shran death of Talus fighting Archer Tellerite honor situation. Like it, it felt, <clears throat> it felt pretty cliche, honestly, at that point, like in a, yeah, in cliche yeah. in a way that's not even, um, there's no attempt to move beyond the cliche. Like you were saying, I, I was always expecting there to be some twist on the situation or mm. they figure something out or it ties thematically into the humans being the focal point of the Federation and Archer will show his, his uh, necessity through that way, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, I... Uh, I mean, well, it's not cliche in that I believe. <laughs> is, this the first, is this the first instant of someone dying from phaser poisoning? I think so. Something special about the yeah. pig man's weapons. They they cause you to bleed internally or something. Yeah. Well, I I don't even think I th it was it was the Enterprise's weapons, wasn't it? No, I think they the broke out the of there. The Tellerite shot her, and that's what caused him to get shot by. Archer. No, but they but they stole they stole the gun. I think didn't they? Because didn't the, didn't the uh, Andorians they bust out of their room, and then they all got the guns from the the one sexy Mako who couldn't uh keep it in his pants long enough to not get karate chopped. Right, but the and so they broke in the how did oh and, and the Tellerite took her was, gun. 
Is that what happened? I think so. Okay. I think so. Either way, it doesn't matter. But um, this never would have happened if they had figured out how the technology of that booger gun worked. Yeah. The, the big uh, regret. We all, we all have regrets, <laughs> and that's Archer's regret. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Her her death was kind of I don't know. It wasn't quite fridging, but it was it was very much a she's only here to die kind of character. Yeah, um, motivation. Ran. I wish I wish they could have done inverted it some. Like I kind of almost I thought what was going to happen was, you know, she's like avenge me, and he walks in there to talk to them. And everybody's on edge about him possibly going for a gun or trying to stab this guy or something. And then he decides she's going to be the last one who dies in this conflict between us. Mm-hmm. And instead of, of instead of avenging her by killing someone, he's going to use be like, all right, that's it. This is it. This is over. Yeah. But you got to get into the third act of the story and you need something to happen. So I understand why they didn't do that. Yeah. To me, it ties into... <clears throat> Um, excuse me, I feel like I got something stuck in my throat. It ties more into the um, problem that we had in the first part, which was the Andorians are so vaguely drawn along with the Tellarites that just this gener- generic honor ki- duel thing is the best that you can draw from them as a character. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, it feels superfluous that they have like thousands of amendments to their honor code. You know, it's it's not like it's a... um. Ferengi thing with the various rules of acquisition. It's just like, yeah, the Andorians are something of an honor culture, and they're also extremely technical. Like they have a lot of contract contractual agreements about this stuff. Um, just felt. I thought Combs did well, but it ju- it just it it felt plainly obvious what it was there to function as, and it wasn't surprising, yeah. and it wasn't interesting, and I don't care about Talis and. Archer beating him just seems fucking ridiculous in, in, in the, the grand scheme of things. I don't know. I thought that was Did, I thought it was just the, the weakest part of the episode by far. Yeah, I I would agree. Did Shran make up all that stuff about bringing the blood back to the ice planet just so he could do that gimmick where he dumped it on the guy's hands? I think so. He didn't get to say you've yeah, got blood on your hands though. Is yeah, I guess the metaphor. Is I know. Strong like, yeah. <laughs> Archer Archer blew his punchline for him. <laughs> Stepped all over the queue. So would you... Um, you know how long I had to work on that before I figured out a cool way to get in there and dump his... Bl- I was. I had the line ready and everything, and you ruined it, Pinkskin. <laughs> There'll never be a federation anymore. Um, I told my other people on my ship what I was going to do, and they said, oh, that's so cool. Definitely do that. And you ruined it, and now I have to kill this guy. <laughs> Because I couldn't pull off my prank, and now I look like a fool in front of the rest of my crew. What do you uh, what do you think is the best part of this episode? You didn't seem to be crazy about you. I, I guess it must be the building of the Federation here. Um, this is like the Sham sixty nine song. If the Federation is united, they'll never be divided, or something like that. But is that your favorite aspect of this? Because you didn't seem to like the trip and read stuff. I well, maybe we'll talk about trip and read first um mm-hmm. i kind of liked trip and That's, read yeah it's not that i didn't like it it's just that it was stock you know it yeah it was nothing new from the show you know yeah you 
It's another one of those enterprise scenes where it's the two characters for the only reason that there are two is that they can talk to each other. They don't actually learn anything. There's there's nothing dynamic going on between the two of them. What I thought was more successful in those sequences was after we'd been bad-mouthing and uh, shit-talking the Romulans in the previous episode, I think this might be my favorite portrayal of the Romulans of all time. Just this sequence, I think, is fascinating they bring in the Remans, who are just bodyguards. You just make kind of like a, like, oh, I know those. It's the Leo pointing at the screen thing. It's like, hey, it's those guys. Um, but I thought that they, I thought that they cast them well. I thought that their way of being was well-defined and clear. I thought that they, like, they acted as Romulans appropriately. My favorite moment was when the big, the head honcho who comes in every once in a while comes in and he says, like, I'm here now. I've, and he's like, how did you know that this happened? He's like, I have my sources. And clearly someone in the command did the very Romulan thing of, like, spying on the boss that he's working for, for the big boss. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was kind of nice. Those are, those are, like, nice little beats about how the Romulans operate and things like that. I was surprised because of how stupid they were in the first episode. I thought they made great strides here to actually turn them into a villain that I thought played a nice cat and mouse game with Reed and Tripp too during the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think the back and forth there was good. And, um, and it was, you know, when they, when they got them on the intercom and they kind of gave them, they they split them up and, and started dousing Tripp with radiation to get Reed to turn the lights in the kitchen back on. That stuff was, was good. Um, Yeah. I liked Reed's getting around it. I also even liked at the end when, uh, Brian Thompson was like, "How long is this going to take to fix?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, it's going to take like four days." All right, well, tell me when it's fixed enough that we can blow it up. <laughs> I liked, I, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I like the, I like the Romulans in this. Um, I had a quick. Do the Vulcans not know what the Romulans look like either no. at this point? Nobody knows. No. Huh. It's a big surprise. It's a surprise to even Spock and Balance of Terror when when he yeah. sees them for the first time. He can't explain it. He can't explain why they look the way that they do. Yeah, so I that's, don't. I don't know the, how the logistics of that work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that's an interesting concept when you get into space travel, because like, I guess there is no reason why you would know what some species look like because you see their ship go by. It's like, oh, we know that that's what that's a Romulan ship, and so well, we've never talked to them, we've never yeah. stopped and chatted with them or anything, so we don't know what they look like. It's it's only um, strange here because. Just the way that the show works, you're basically all ships are chatty and all ships talk to each other. So the Romulans really stick out as a um, a strange case. Antisocial. Example. Yeah, as antisocial and a strange case study for this kind of stuff because they have mm-hmm. they have an empire, but no one has ever seen them or talked to them somehow. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I uh I do think it is, you know, as we kind of talked about last time, you are painted into a bit of a corner with this show because they can't see them ever. It's always sad um, when but I realize I really about th- watching that. I'm, I'm always like, oh, they're never going to be able to talk to these guys. There's, so it's always a little bit of an energy drain. Well, the, the one thing that I noticed is that they've never said that. Like at no point, like they talk about the Romulans, but I don't think at any point they've ever been like, I don't know, what do these guys even look like? You know, they, they've never done that. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I like that they haven't drawn attention to that because I think it's the kind of thing that unless you know that, unless you know that fact that nobody knows what the Romulans look like at this point in history, I don't think you'd even think about it because you see the Romulans, so you understand it. Like you understand what the Romulans look like. And there's, I think it's subtle enough of a thing that in, in this show you wouldn't even think twice about the fact that, oh, they were never on a view screen and no one ever like – talk to them face to face yeah or anything like that so i think it's a it's a detail that's nice for people who know but not necessarily not necessary to understand the story that's interesting um if i I had not thought about this until you said that but this feels to me a lot like that feels in in a lot of ways i know they're stuck there through canon but it feels very much an enterprise writing decision because we talked about how in um in the Cyrenite Vulcan trilogy arc, Archer at no point ever goes, so what do the Cyrenites think about stuff? Yes, you know, yeah. like it's, a, it's very much an enterprise thing where no one seems particularly curious about things that are out there. They're just like, yeah. Cause now that I am a little bit struck now that for how much they've talked about the Romulans, no character's ever been like, I wonder what they look like. Do you think they're humanoid? Right. Like, do you think that yeah. they like, what, what's their deal? Why are they so secretive and stuff like that? Hmm. I think the show knows that they can't do that, but it does shine a light on the prequel nature of it where the the writers are not going to waste time talking about stuff that they cannot answer for this crew. So why right, bother yeah. talking about it? Well, I think you also get into it. It kind of amazes me that they had the restraint in this um, instance because like, I feel like the other way you handle that is you do have somebody say what you just said where it's like, what do you think they look like? Do you think they've got tentacles? Do you think they've got fish heads on top of Mick Fleetwood bodies under there? Mm-hmm. And and then if they had done that, we would have been like, ugh, they had to make the connection that they don't know what they look like. Blah, blah, blah. So I think, I think it would have been kind of groan worthy if they had tried to do it. So I actually prefer that they didn't. It definitely would have ended but if they had the gone same that same time. <laughs> that trip would have looked at Paul and goes, maybe they got pointy ears. You know, so that would have Exa- yeah, Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But I'm glad that they didn't. But it also is interesting when you think about it that nobody even cares. bothers to ask like they don't look <laughs> they don't look at they don't look at uh archer doesn't look at um shran or Tellerite number one over there who have been around the space much more than he has and go like hey what's the deal with the romulans right that's, who that's are these the big people? thing and yeah 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 and the and the other two go i don't know we've never seen them before. <laughs> they, just, they just keep showing up and smashing our mailboxes and driving away that's that I think that's the problem with it really on like a larger level is that the Romulans are a known commodity. People know the Romulans, yeah. but no one yeah. knows the Romulans. So there there's somehow this galactic force that is capable of interfering and everyone knows their name. Like no one's like I've never heard of the Romulans before. What the hell are the Romulans? They they know them, but it doesn't have that moment as you say where they all are sitting around the table and realize one by one that no one has seen them. Like you haven't seen them either. Like has anyone anyone seen a Romulan in in, in the flesh? No, not really. Honestly, the way that the ships, uh, the way that the episode's going, you wouldn't be that unwise to start assuming that there's some sort of artificial intelligence that just are like drone machines yeah. that fly around. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, I liked them though. I thought that. I thought that 
without adding a traditional or a tremendous amount of information to the Romulans, I thought this episode actually fleshed them out. Although, were, uh, are you disappointed if it is true that the that if you take Archer's word at face value that the reason they're doing this is just to destabilize relationships between the species of the federal the Alpha Quadrant? We talked um, about it last episode, and you said you didn't want that to be the yeah. case. Yeah, I kind of, at least somebody, like, at least they kind of determined that, but yeah, I wish they uh, um, had a little bit more of an interesting uh, reason to do it than just that. Uh, at the same time, you know, they are testing a new weapon, kind of, um, so I can, I kind of, like, it's not... I guess it's not that hard for me to get behind as a reason but i i wish that they had a more concrete idea of why they're doing of why they're, they're using the romulans when i say they i mean the writers yeah why the writers are using the romulans in this instance to be this um destabilizing uh roadblock in the way of uh the federation yeah the eventual yeah. federation yeah i mean i I think it works in like a realistic sense of why they would be doing that. It's it's another case of once you accept that and I start thinking about it, it, it to me it feels like another case of prequelitis where you have that you're stuck mm-hmm. in this situation because you know down the road the Romulans are going to not want this to be the case, that there is a federation, a, a joint effort that will depose them. But... They're making a tremendous amount of assumption based on like one shitty meeting that these species have had right, between each other, right. thinking yeah, that yeah, this yeah. is this is actually going to amount to something. Let the they are they are putting the amount of effort into this that like the Zindi were putting into because right. they got a message from the future, right? A premonition to it. <laughs> like if if Brian Thompson had turned around and been like, the reason we must do this is because. Uh, Tom Hardy appeared to me in a dream and told me that the Romulan Empire will be destroyed if we don't stop the Federation from forming. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay. That's actually true for the uh, Romulans at this point. They didn't know it here, but there would be uh, Rom- Romulus is going to be destroyed at some point. Maybe not because yes, of the Federation, yeah. but Spock didn't yeah. do but enough. Like, but like the kind of stuff they're doing here does kind of feel like there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I kind of don't necessarily mind that they're just sort of fucking around testing weapons. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it is strange. I mean, I did say that I really liked this episode and I think I did. I was really taken out of it by the Archer knife fight, but I liked it outside of that stuff. I thought that it was a, a fleshing out of everything we complained about in the first episode of this arc where it felt like things were sort of building towards, um, a goal I like the fact that they all learn to work together against the Romulans um, in that sense. It's another episode of being very enterprisey to me, which is mm-hmm. really hard for the show to avoid at this point, and it's kind of baked into its DNA. It's just one of those things where I watch it and it feels small to me. It's like a, 
it's one of those things like reading about this, like the humans, the Tellarites, the Andorians, and the Vulcans all work together. And I read this on like a Wikipedia or Memory Alpha thing, right? Like before any of the shows, this is how the Federation was born. And in my mind's eye, there's this whole complicated thing that's going on. You know, there's like a lot of politics and there's a lot of different interactions and the races are doing these strange things. And if the Romulans are involved, it's this whole clusterfuck. But when you condense it to an Enterprise episode, it's like the bad guys are trying to screw us. It's like, let's work together to stop them. And It's like, this is... This is right, how the greatest yeah. federation in space was ever created. It seems so small and yeah. so insignificant. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they don't walk away at the end of this episode with, like, signed documents deciding to no. become a federation. <laughs> no, it's a stepping um, stone. Yeah, and I'm sure the next episode will involve the Vulcans getting into the mix, which gets you closer to there. But, yeah, what you're talking about <coughs> excuse me, could be a whole season of TV. Yeah. Like, it would have been, if the first season of Discovery had been about the forming of the Federation and, like, the messy politics involved, that probably, that would have been awesome. I would have loved, that would have been very uh, in vogue with the Game of, the Game of Thrones yeah. of it all. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when you, when you simplify it down to one conflict in a 40, or I guess at this point, I guess it would be a, you know, hour and a half or two two and a half hour uh episode of television, three hours, I guess, depending on commercials. Um it does make it feel kind of small. But I don't know how much of that is you know, at the time, do you think it feels small? I would or does th- it feel small because we're so we have so removed from it and, and do have such a larger uh franchise height. Yeah point of view on thing you know i think it would still feel small it's um like i was thinking about it in comparison to ds9 right which is that when ds9 did things even if it wasn't invoking a lot of different characters because of production constraints there was through dialogue this sense that there was like a larger world outside of the scenes you were seeing. Like characters would yeah, come in and yeah. it's like Gowron has decided to do this and the Klingon ships are going to go off and do that. Um, I was watching that that sort of fan trailer for season four that I had shared with you a while back where it's just like they took highlight clips. Oh, and, sure, sure. And I was, that was one season of DS9. And there is so many species and character motivations like ducat has this thing about like if no one stands against the klingons and i will cisco's yelling about like the dominion wants us to tear each other apart like klingons against cardassians cardassians against bajorans or whatever and you know way talking about like the federation is going to crumble into dust i just i feel like there was a level of um if not shown on screen at least there was this understanding in the background of what these characters are doing that sort of the universe was in motion trying to do something. Yeah. And I yeah. don't really, this feels like, Enter- Enterprise kind of feels like these ships just kind of stumbled together, which I guess is thematically appropriate for how early they are. But I don't get a sense that there's really great politics behind what they're doing to the point where this kind of thing would convince civilizations to do something different in their line of Right. You know, I'd almost, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think a big part of it is because all of the drama surrounding these races of people coming together is localized to the ship. Yeah. And I, and I, what I mean by that is 
it's all hinges on the people who are on this ship. So there is no understanding of what the larger placement of the Andorians or the Tellarites is. Like you were saying, just just saying what you said, that feels like there 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 are larger groups in motion uh, uh, coming into conflict with each other. Whereas in this one, it's you killed my girlfriend. Now I got to kill you. Mm-hmm. And it's there's nothing outside of this. It's like all of the other ships are waiting for us to find out whether or not you kill the guy who killed your girlfriend. <laughs> but it, like you know what I mean? There's yeah. no sense of 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 the relationships or the or the 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 tension or the or the conflict between these people on a larger scale, other than um, the main the characters are events. important. Yeah, the the main like yeah, yeah and the like, main characters drive a civilization basically. Yeah, and the best versions of this sort of politicking drama are the ones where you can feel the you can feel the weight on everybody's shoulders from the larger um worlds that they are speaking for, you know? Yeah. Where like that's why if you to to put it on a, a level um that's easily relatable, that's why the best political dramas it's like, "Oh, I understand." that this guy when he's talking is talking with the weight of the soviet union on his shoulders and this guy when he's talking is talking with the weight of america on his shoulders so when the two of them box in russia at the end yeah you know that it's more than just the fact that the russian guy killed the american guy's friend in an exhibition match right you know? yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be an exhibition <laughs> <laughs> i think that's i think that's true it's so I mean in Enterprise's defense I do see thematically appropriate context here where the isolation is like symbolically fitting of how they're sort of pulling together these distant civilizations right so you mm-hmm. but you by seeing just Archer being out there with no one else Archer has a great importance on himself to build bridges between people. Um, I think that's acceptable. I just don't, it's, it's tough. I like, I, I think I could understand that if there was not this sort of prequel idea that the Federation is going to be bigger than all of this, it just, for such an important, for such an important events, like the founding of how this all came together, not saying that this episode, as you say, they don't have a Federation by the end of it, but their their bridge building seems incredibly flimsy to me where i could see yeah, yeah. very basic interactions going the way that they are here like if there was no hint that this was going to build into something i think that it's it's subtle enough or it's small enough or it's like it doesn't really matter it's all about these guys working together but knowing what you know it is just that problem of the ships are waiting you can see the ships out in the window and shran's got to work out some some personal demons and get back to it. I don't know. It, it's even, tough. Even even less than that in this, they pull up a map and they're like, well, these guys are over here and these guys are on the other side and they don't want to talk to each other. So, uh, yeah, that's about as deep as we're going to get into this. <laughs> you know, and it's like... Arches, I'll do okay. it. I'll speak for everyone. Yeah. yeah, and I still don't totally understand even why the Andorians and the Tellarites don't really like each other. Right. Because they, they, they do get into it so quickly the one thing that i do really like is um i should say the one thing that i like about the fight the the duel 
is I like the scene that comes before it when Archer takes the place of the Tellarite guy because you get that scene where he's talking, he's explaining his reasoning to to Paul, and he says he's like, if the Tellarite guy dies, that's going to break everything down. If Shran dies, that's going to break everything down. If I die, Starfleet's not going to leave. So I'm the expendable <coughs> person here. So I like I like that sort of gaming out of yeah. how he can best serve the larger goal here and, and preserve this alliance, even if it means having to die himself. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I like it. I like it too. In principle. Um, when mm. I got to that scene, what it felt like to me while I was watching it is this should be a big moment and I'm not getting the sense that this is a big moment. Sure. Either. Like I, sure. I feel that, Again, a lot of it's undermined because Archer wins, but it feels in that case like Archer has to kind of sacrifice himself there. And the stakes for it to happen to me, this sort of like Romulan slight meddling in in things, it feels like, just off the top, like it feels like if in real life the police were chasing down somebody who'd robbed a 7-Eleven, and one cop is like, I have to die to stop this guy. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, right. I don't know yeah. if this is like, the right sacrifice for you to be making at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like the the, it's like the chief of police is for two towns fighting to the death because they can't stop a guy who stole a car and is yes. joyriding around yeah, right. their, their three towns. <laughs> you know, it's like, like in the grand scheme of things, what the Romulans are doing here is not really that important. Like they, well, and once you once could, you see past it, even. You know, like once yeah. they realize what the plot is, they, the Romulans have lost their power there because it's all about right, the subterfuge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like even even if they decided to stop chasing this guy for a while and just focus on going to the meeting, like I feel like they probably could do that. Yeah. Because, yeah, this is a big weapon, but it's like, well, you know. If we get him, we get him. But it's not really. <laughs> it's is this, this going to be the thing? Yeah. Yeah. So it is. it does like – Archer Archer putting his life on the line to salvage a uh the the uh unification or the working together of these two warring nations feels like there should be more at stake than just, you know, yeah. uh young Kirk stealing a Mustang. I think that's the I think that's the downside of the smallness to me. Like that's why I have a hard time yeah, defending yeah. it because if this was a an arc, if this was a season arc that was building to this point and you actually got a sense that it was important for the Andorians and Tellarites and Vulcans and humans to all work together because there was an enemy who was actually a threat, like like a, I don't know how you do that in a prequel setting, but something more than just the Romulans being kind of dicks to everybody. Right. Then right, I can yeah. feel that Archer's sacrifice there means something, and also Shran not killing him takes additional weight because Shran can realize the importance of that too, as opposed to just I like you, Archer, and I can't kill you. Right, right. That's to me. It's a big problem with it. Um, it's not. It, it's probably not fair to always compare it to DS Nine, but I just think that DS Nine never stood on episodic moments like that. It was the culmination of a lot of episodes that got you to something yes. like Waltz, yeah. where Dukat goes crazy yeah. and explains what he actually thinks about things. Um, well, that's that's why I was saying last time 
why I I wish that they had spent more time with the Tellarites and the Andorians and like had established more of their relationship. Because yeah, all that stuff in Deep Space Nine works because Ducat is there from like the first episode. Yeah. And so you get a long uh a long run of episodes featuring him and how he interacts with people and what the Cardassians mean to the Federation and what they mean to the Bajorans and all this other kind of stuff. So when you do have these these high tension points, they feel like they're that much bigger because you know who these groups are. And this is not this is the kind of high tension point that requires more weight behind the actions of these of these uh, individual groups. And you know, I'm kind of I I don't know where this is going to end as far as the creation of the federation um when i say uh, like this where the series is going to end regarding the the creation of the federation i now that i'm thinking about it i am kind of shocked that they didn't go if when they decided to do discovery i'm kind of shocked that they didn't go let's do the early days of the federation because like i said there's so much politics and intrigue you could build into that like what's the first the you know five years in or something or even the first year of the federation so you've got you've got all the uh the star trek accoutrement you can play with there yeah uh with starfleet and whatnot you get the Andorians, you get all the aliens in there doing stuff and there's large-scale threats that they all have to agree upon and you get people backstabbing each other and the romulans are out there and nobody knows what they look like yeah you know, it would have been really interesting. I'm so I'm kind of surprised that they have yet to to really tap that market. Yeah, because even what they what they kind of hint at here is they hint that the humans become the focal point of the Federation. Like Starfleet headquarters is on Earth, for instance. So like Earth is a very important planet sure. to the Federation. They kind of hint at it just because it happens to go there because Earth is not particularly hostile to any of the other species, which which makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But I think in the formation of something like this, like just think about how like states interact in the U.S. Like there, there is not a just a like, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll just do that. There's a lot of politics that go into deciding where your right, base is right. going to be kind of and stuff like that. Like no, there's no, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of room to do that stuff. I think I think the only downside of what that is is that maybe Discovery would do it better or like a modern show would do it a little bit better. But to me, it... It, it if I was assigned that job and they said you have to do the founding of the Federation, I would be worried that it's a kind of event that exists better in the mind's eye than it does on paper and be sure. like it just yeah, it just that, happened. Yeah. Like let's go somewhere else and just not have to deal with how this incredibly complicated thing panned out. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. It's uh <clears throat> it's it is uh it is probably a very big task that would require a lot more thought and uh, parsing out than I think they probably want to do for one of these new shows. Yeah. Not to say that they don't spend a lot of time thinking and writing these shows because they do. But, you know. <laughs> they spend a lot of time writing them, certainly. Um, I guess that's it. Is there anything else in this episode? We talked about the Romulans. We talked about the oh. working together. The one thing I did want to bring up is that the Tellarite argument thing just disappeared. It's gone. Huh? It's gone. That's no yeah, longer. Like a they had that scene. <laughs> they had that scene with the three of them, and I where they where he and Shran were were arguing, and and Archer was there, and I thought it was going to come up again, but no, they're just yelling at each other. 
yeah, I mean, it's surprising to me because it would just it would provide if they were actually always argumentative, it would provide a reason why you understand that maybe the Andorians don't get along with them. You know, it's like the Andorians yeah, yeah. are incredibly trigger happy, and the Tellarites liking to argue is just kind of a silly difference between the two of them, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not. How did you feel about the uh, Remans showing up? I thought it was neat. I'm glad they didn't do anything. I'm glad they didn't say anything about it. You know, it's just yeah, if you've yeah. seen Nemesis, you understand what's going on in that situation. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I did. I like. I mean, it's. I, I like it. I think. I think your mileage can vary person to person on whether or not you like newer stuff that is retconned in being added into prequel stuff but i do i do like it for uh the cohesiveness of the world where it's like yeah they exist i mean they're, they're like you said they're not doing much it's yeah. not like they're the focus of anything but you can just kind of toss them in there and and uh as a little bit of a wink and a nod to the larger world building they've done and from um they fit the description of how they were described in nemesis which i think is like their slave labor and bodyguards and stuff like that so mm. it's that, that's their function here um Talked about the Romulans, talked about Archer, T'Pol, Trip, Reed. That was all fine. Travis and Hoshi got something to do here. We talked about that. It's kind of small and insignificant, but it was something to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything else are we done? I guess we might be done with this one. Did you, how did you feel about that final scene with Trip and Reed where it's just him goofing on Reed being like, I'm going to have to write you up for that. It felt, seemed felt like, like the they, start they, of a was... porno to me, obviously. <laughs> it felt like they might just start kissing at that point. I wasn't really sure. I interrupted. Did you did you think it was strange or did you did you like that? Did you like that it scene? felt like one of those one of those uh endings of a of a sit a sitcom from the seventies that they yeah. make fun of all the time where it's yeah. like next time you drive the car. Bop, 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 you know. Freeze frame. Um yeah. It felt like there was room in there for some sort of. It's the same thing we always say with these with these plots that don't really have much juice to them, where it's like they have a moment where they could have dropped something in there to make everything that they did mean something. Like someone has a realization about something, or you know, Trip has a realization about his own mortality and what it means to be a commander or some yeah. shit. I don't know, um, but they just go for the cheap gag that really doesn't. It's not like it doesn't bring it doesn't bring them closer as friends or anything. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. Neither one of them really learns anything. It's just, it's just a tag for the end of that 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 story. It is just a tag. I, I was struck by, I didn't get the sense leading up to it that they had laid any groundwork for Trip to even make the joke. You know, like he, he just kind of right. He just yeah. kind of makes. I thought it. he was serious. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was what the thing was going to be. Is that he was serious that he had to demote him or something because. He took it took it that seriously. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that that decision, but I thought he was being serious. But yeah, you know, then it's like, nope, just goofing on you. You, I mean, because it doesn't idiot. it does it doesn't thematically tie into anything else, right? Where there's a right there's a character who does the right thing but gets punished for it. Like you can mm-hmm. you can almost them some they don't do it here, but you could somehow tie that into the duel. I think Archer could do the right thing and get hurt for it or the other way around. And I think that that would make sense. But here I, I, I agree. It's just kind of context, contextless stuff. Honestly, the, 
main reason I thought that scene existed was because um, those suits they wear are apparently notorious for how much the actors hated them. And 50% of the dialogue of that scene is like, I wish I could find the guy who designed this suit and kick his ass. (laughs) It's like, I think they're just getting it all out in the final season. It did. It did feel like after Reed expressed his discomfort wearing the suit that trip was going to be like, well, when you're with me, you'll never have to wear the suit again. (laughs) Commander, what are you talking about? I expect some, uh, Meet me in the pineapple hold in 10 minutes. <laughs> exact. Leave, yeah. leave the helmet. A last samurai-esque thing where Trip suits up Malcolm in the next episode as he's donning his armor <laughs> onto him and something like that. I think that's the best way forward. All right. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to our coverage of United. If you enjoyed the show today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. We have extra podcasts. We have uh, polls to decide what we talk about. There's access to the Captain Tier Discord level or channel on the Discord. All good stuff. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thanks to Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Sherlock, Hal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Pouch, Brendan Howells, Matt Cutler, Michael Pond, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Wayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, L. Russell Edge, Stephen Minton, HH28, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Nick the Rat, Poindexter G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, John, uh, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardieu, Disbrada, Retail, Edmark Starr, Tom Hickey, Grapple John Zone, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchhausen, and James McLennan, Beal, Jonas, my voice is about to fail, Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Chase Jackson. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. <coughs> And now we'll go to patron thoughts. There's a few of them. Seven, I think. If you're a patron at the $5 and up level, you can leave your thoughts on upcoming episodes on the Patreon site, and we'll read them. Kyle Barrett says, United, I love this episode, and it's probably my favorite of the series. The Romulans' attempt to sabotage peace talks becomes the catalyst for the building blocks of the Federation. And it's great. Let me move this over here. It's great seeing Archer navigate how much humanity he can expect of his new alien allies and when he has to respect their traditions. Classic Trek and humanity are finally earning their place among the stars. Hoshi taking on a new role as a cultural expert rather than just having a talented tongue is a great development. And even Mayweather uses his boomer knowledge. The only issue is there's no way Archer should have won the knife fight. Strand could have been holding a dildo made of American cheese and still won (coughs) five Riemann cameos out of five. Favorite of the series. Hmm. Royo says, United. Unlike in TNG, this trilogy allows the Romulans to interact with each other, actually providing world building for the Romulan star empire instead of leaving them as a giant mystery box. And it was interesting to see a preview of the Proto-Federation fleet before Starfleet standardized ship design. That's a good good point. While TOS had mentioned things like Vulcan ships back during the Space Amoeba incident, they never had the budget to show how the ship's on screen. Unfortunately, where this episode falters is in the writing. All throughout the show, Archer has lost many, many physical fights due to having grown up playing with models instead of training for combat. Archer pulls a a Ray Skywalker and ends up beating an Imperial Guardsman in a duel despite having no sword training prior and despite every indication that this is a battle he cannot win. Functionally, this is a gigantic plot hole. Archer only wins because he's a main character, despite being a pinata among Star Trek captains, and I loathe that trope. Three point five out of five. Yeah, it goes back to what I said. I, I wish I think there was a better way they could have worked or gotten through that without him just straight up beating Shran. Yeah. Uh you know, they could have done the thing from Star Trek Six 
where he kicks him in the leg, but his leg is, is where his balls are. <laughs> I mean, I, I was expecting bigger things just because uh, Travis and Hoshi spent that whole dinner talking about right. how they were going to find a loophole to it. Yeah. Yeah, Excuse it's me. it's a strange... I mean, it's I, I understand it, why they did it the way they did, I guess, but I think there was a... You know, it's tough because... Remember when we were doing the prisoner? Yep. The the we had the the runner of uh, the gratuitous ass beating because every episode without fail there was like a two minute scene where six would get into a punch fight with somebody regardless yep. of you know it's the most cerebral science fiction show on television but it still has people punching each other every episode and I I do wonder how much of it is that still happening where it's like you know eh, it's just, it's an action show we got to make sure people fight each other but you would think that at this point in the Star Trek franchise you could not you you're not a slave to that i mean i think they did it maybe not every episode of star trek but a lot of them had yeah you know punching in it but uh yeah, yeah i i don't know i i think there is a more clever way to get out of that problem and unfortunately they didn't do it yeah agreed matt ross says continuing where the story left off and travis again is doing stuff between making the sensor net off screen but actually talking finally comes as shran continues to eat the scenery and even in the ridiculous combat scene the idea that humans are the glue of the Federation and why Starfleet is eventually the peacekeeping force is set up and places Enterprise more aligned with TOS and other Trek. Also, finally, and this is arguably the best arc out of all four seasons. One interesting effect is that the Romulan drone does not operate on a two-dimensional plane and zips it. That's, we didn't talk about how it moves so erratically. I can't hit it, hit it because it moves like a grasshopper jumping around. Um, Interesting effect is that the Romulan drone does not operate on two-dimensional plane and zips around. It's cool to look at, as was the Riemann bodyguards as a callback to the horror movie Nemesis. The RTFM moment of read to trip on the phase pistol always makes me laugh. Why wouldn't the engineer read everything about the weapon? The idea that the conspiracy-minded Romulans are the issue that would lead to the mentioned but not lead to the mench to the mentioned but not seen Romulan war stirs the imagination in a good way. Four allies out of five. I also thought that scene was funny because the the two of them are he's unscrewing that panel and he's like careful commander they're probably listening to what we're saying so I plugged my phaser into the wall and it's going to explode it's like oh what could that possibly mean is it code what's this code that they're speaking in don't understand why are they going down that tunnel there's nothing down there ah, we'll figure it out when they get there remember how we all carry guns well i don't have my gun with me and my gun can explode (laughs) if i place it somewhere where explosions would be damaging to say a ship we might be on what could they possibly be saying um the i the i'm curious to see if they tie up the loose end of this drone ship because i just want to see a scene on on romulus where they're like this highly advanced drone ship which is more it seems to be more advanced than any ship anybody else in the franchise has ever had is too powerful let's get rid of it and go back to the more slow plotting submarine type ships that everybody else has to just level the playing field for the next series yeah you know it's a nice ship but and let's never speak of this technology ever again (laughs) it fits in discovery it's a nice ship but my stomach gets a little upset when we spin around like this. Is, is there any way we can just go back to the normal slow ships? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it gets too spiky. It's too spiky. Could we have a design that's like kind of like flat? 
this just like flat. The spikes kind of fit with um, Nero's ship, right? That was all spiky. And um, oh yeah, you know. yeah, the, yeah, the big kind of claw ship. I always liked that ship. I thought it was a cool looking ship. Groppler John Zorn says, in the midst of this being maybe the enterprisiest enterprise of all the Enterprise episodes, it also balances purposeful action sequences with decent character writing. It's even a good read episode. Between Travis getting to say his own lines and all of the lines they wrote for Trip before they remembered he's off the ship, he gets the same more words than in all of season three, and well, he's pretty good. Trash talk Archer all you want, but his poor man's Thunderdome scene with Shran wasn't overblown, stayed in character, and it made great use of something the kids these days might not understand, the commercial break. Come to think of it, maybe Discovery <laughs> should have had should maybe Discovery should have commercial breaks. No, never mind. It would just show Discovery commercials. Five cowardly nargs out of five. I also think that scene is funny because it kind of looks like they're just fighting in like the common area of yeah. the mess hall or something. Like they moved the tables out so they could have a fight. There's no no good areas on Enterprise to do official duels to the death, unfortunately. Yeah. Brandon Howell says, United, the best of the trilogy and the best arc in Enterprise, in my humble opinion. I enjoy everything about this episode, except Archer telling the Andorians and Tellarite to behave like humans. I could not stifle my laugh. I really feel for Shran when Talos dies, and the duel between Shran and Archer is fun, but silly. Travis has more dialogue than I heard from him since Observer Effect. He and Hoshi work well together. Interesting to note that T'Pol calls Travis by his first name for the first time. Malcolm and Tripp are still trying to be the Bashir and O'Brien of Enterprise, never quite succeeding. Five overloaded phase pistols out of five. Wow, lots of fives. I do not to not to minimize the effect that this episode episode had on 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 this uh, patron, but saying he had more lines <laughs> than he'd had since Observer Effect that was literally two episodes. Two, ago. It was two episodes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I guess it's great. Yes, he has more. Did he talk in Observer like Effect? It's been a, a season and a half. I don't even remember. I guess he, he he's possessed and he remember. talks yeah. to Trip. I think. Yes. One. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. Right. That's a major possessed. point of yeah. that. Yeah. Actually. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Shows how shot my memories. Does Travis say anything? He's like the main the main point is him being possessed in that episode. Uh, Yarpy says maybe the best individual Enterprise episode. Trip and Reed play well off each other on their adventure in the drone ship, and nice to see Reed actually doing something. And the actors have a pretty nice chemistry together. Combs is great as Shran once again, and very nice to see at least a bit of Andorian culture and society. Not sure if I buy Brian Thompson as a scheming Romulan, but it's still nice to see him. He could be fit to play. He he would fit to play a Klingon more. They almost stretch the episode too thin by having quite a bit to do, but he manages to keep it together, and they even manage to get Travis involved. Five vials of blue blood out of five. Wow, tremendous Best individual of episode of Enterprise. Not huh? the he's not the first one to say that either. It's been a, a thread. Kyle said it at the top, I think. Um, I, I wanted to go back to Brandon's point. Are they the Bashir and O'Brien of Enterprise? I guess they'd have to be, right? I don't. I don't. I I hesitate to give them that title only because I don't think they spend that much time together. Yeah, like over the course of the series, they've they don't choose know, to hang out like, with each other. They they're on missions together yeah. occasionally. Well, they did go they did go uh, cruising and on Risa together. That's true. Yeah, they did do that. So I guess I guess they are the Bashir and O'Brien in that when they need two crew members to send on a a couple of guys just going on a mission, it's usually the two of them. I guess. Yes, I don't think they're but I, good foils to each other. Really? Yeah, I I was gonna say I don't think of them as like pals or anything no you know because when you think of Bashir and O'Brien those guys 
like their story their storyline was they are very good friends yes and yeah. <laughs> that's like the def- that's it's a very the, earnest the big part of their story <laughs> yeah yeah um whereas i never get the sense that reed and trip like hang out outside of missions yeah yeah <clears throat> you know agreed it's a long way to go <clears throat> is that it what does it say six of seven Oh, United States is in the bottom of the Patreon thing. That makes sense. We're done. Patrons, thank you very much for leaving your thoughts. Clay, I think the average there was like a 5.7, yeah, 4.75 or something. Seriously high. Um, I'm not going to prejudge you. You didn't, you didn't give me the impression you loved this episode to give it a five. You didn't give me the impression you thought this was a four either. Am I wrong, or where are you yeah. going to end up? No, I I don't think you're wrong. I yeah, I don't know. I I have a tough time giving it. I mean, I would probably. I don't know if I would give it a four. I'm probably like a really high three, maybe. Sure. Um, yeah, it didn't. Uh, like I get it. I don't know if I get the all quite all of the high end praise of it, but. Uh, I would say it is it is definitely a higher end capital E enterprise episode. Yeah. Um So, with that in mind, that in mind, I'll give it a low 4. Sure. Shouldn't give up on your principles. I'm going to give it a 3. I think it's a high 3. Yeah. Um it's interesting. I think it's a it's a very competent enterprise episode. Is how it's yeah. like it's that that was my takeaway from it. Um I think that it's good. It it, it shows sort of the weirdness of like what a three means, like where a three can be like, yeah, Jesus, so that was just a three. This is a three on the other end of what the three spectrum can be, where it's like, that was right. good, but I'm not yeah. I'm not impressed by that. But that was that was pretty solid right there. I thought everything worked together. That was that was nice. That's it for me. Yeah. It, it's just a um Where where I really felt like observer effect or something like that feels like it's a unique spin on what Enterprise can do. This felt very much like this is what Enterprise has been doing for four seasons, yeah. and yeah. here it is. Yeah, like I I don't know if if you said give me a list of episodes I have to see. I don't know if this would be high on my list. No. Of, you know, I don't know. No, I wouldn't. Honestly, it's only observer effect so far this season that I'd be like, yeah. this is worth, this is an episode worth someone watching uh, if you're curating yeah. or something. All right. Well, we disagree with the patrons. We'll have to see how the, the next epi- go, episode goes because I am completely unsure of where they go after this yeah. because it feels like I was, it's over. I was very surprised. I thought maybe we had been not realized it was only a two-parter. I didn't. Because by the end, it seems like it's over. Right. Uh, up until the um, reveal of the Andorian pilot. And you're like, it's a reveal that's interesting, but it's not like I go, oh, my God, they've been hinting at that since the start of this trip. It's like, okay, I guess he's an Andorian. That's that's fine. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. I Like, I don't really know. Like, what what's the implication there? Andorians are working like, with the Romulans, I guess. Yeah, I guess it would have to be something like that where the Andorians are, have a back-channel deal with the, the Romulans or something. He, it's not like I was getting strong drug vibes from that guy, though. Like He didn't seem a willing yeah. participant in what was going on. It seemed like he was... Yeah. yeah. 
like what what let's say he's drugged and he's been kidnapped or whatever what is the what do the Andorians what skill or knowledge do the Andorians have that makes them good pilots qualified to be the drugged up Daft Punk pilot of this of this ship don't know you know unless this is like the son of King Andor or something yeah and I mean to continue it there's no reason for they're not going to chase the Romulan ship, right? They've given up on it. They're just like, yeah, it's it's gone. Now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where they go. There, also, there's a third part to this. Unrelated to this, first time I think I realized or knew that uh, Andoria was an ice planet. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. That's why they're blue with white hair. <laughs> I well, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume. It's, you know, it is blue face and white hair is the universal. Ice. fictional character <laughs> language for ice related but uh, yeah. i didn't want to uh assume that was the case yeah i wonder when they i think they've mentioned that before but i wouldn't i wouldn't have remembered they it have. they they really laid on thick here was like i will pour the blood on the ice of andoria and it will freeze and because i, I got you. you like the like the cold you think for you know there was that runner early on where they're like the vulcans are like humans stink we have a strong sense of smell, and you guys stink. You smell real bad. The Andorians, the Andorians are never asking for the temperature to be lowered or anything right. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't yeah. even wear like furry outfits. You know, they don't have like right. seal yeah. hides or anything like that strapped to them. Well, I guess they wouldn't need to if they're used to the cold and they're just on starships the whole time. Sure. Even on the Enterprise, though, do you think the Enterprise is? Because wasn't it last episode they were complaining about the temperature? I don't know what's what's their nest sent to. Yeah, yeah. you have to you have to check it from your phone. Was it the Tellarites last episode who said it was too cold? I think they had something about that. Was it during the meeting? Yeah, maybe. Even there, you think you'd be surprised? You'd be like, maybe the Andorians and Tellarites can't even agree on what temperature to keep the room when they're having a, having right. a discussion. Yeah. yeah, doesn't work that yeah. way. I mean, it makes sense now that. The Andorians and the Vulcans don't like each other. One of them's really yeah. cold. The other one's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. Thematic. Come together and just get lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? I wonder if that's intentional. I wonder if the Andorians were known to be from the cold and TOS and they had to stick with it because it does. It is a sort of a weird inversion where you think that the, the Andorians would be fiery and the Vulcans would be ice cold, but it's, yeah. it's the opposite, unfortunately. All right, we're done. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. It's the best way to do it. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. We're done with this one. The next one is the ANR, I think it's called. The ANR is the third and final part of this one. <coughs> Excuse me. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, my book, Bloody Hell, is out right now. Uh, I think this is probably coming out into December at some point. So you can get it at comic stores or on Amazon. You should be able to find it there. Bloody Hell with one L. Um, if you like the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast I do with Amanda, we are coming up on our final entry into our year of Friday the 13th films on Patreon. <clears throat> coming back to the beginning with the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. And uh, Badass is probably still on hiatus for a bit. Probably won't be back with Badass until... I don't know if I had to guess, probably after the new year. Mm. But anything could change. Yep. You guys have completed a year of Patreon specials, which is shocking. Time goes by so quick. 
I know. Everything is up on Patreon. If you guys are interested, Badass will be back at some point. Enterprise continues. And then we'll decide where we go after that. Probably Voyager, right? That would be the place to be. We're at the we're at the amounts it takes to get every single Voyager episode going. So I think we'll have to I, start that. I do have to figure out. I do have a unopened bottle of Star Trek wine in my house. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to decide if I should drink it when we finish Enterprise or if I should wait and <laughs> drink it when we finish Voyager. <clears throat> you... Yeah, I mean, there's a. I guess it depends on how much you want to drink that bottle of wine. I suppose is the question yeah. whether or not you you want to risk being deceased by the time that you yeah, whether time. or not <laughs> whether or not I want to drink it in the next two months or drink it after my daughter is married. <laughs> I did. I was. I was looking it up. Did you know they've got like a whole bunch more now? They've got a. This is not a paid advertisement, by the way. They they have what a kinds do they have? Clay, I I, I didn't realize. <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> they have an Andorian blue one and a Cardassian red wine. I saw blend. the Andorian one. Is, is it a wine or what is it? Like a vodka? It must be a vodka. It's uh, Chardonnay. It's blue Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, that's the Cardassian one. Honestly, they're kind. Uh, the, the bottles are pretty cool. They've got a, a Klingon blood wine, yep. which which is pretty fun. Yep. But the Cardassian bottle is really really neat. It's like a twisty twisty bottle oh is it like the one that um i think uh garrick pours some of it in quirks bar i think he orders some like canar or something it might it might be that bottle which yes is, yeah. Okay. it is yeah yeah because it's cardassian canar red wine okay blend. yeah yeah the bottles are pretty good i might i might look into getting one of these. yeah that's interesting maybe i would get one they haven't they haven't they didn't offer me the free ones for this time not yeah the, how come we didn't get did we not do enough a good enough review last we did. time we did I thought, I thought we liked them all very nice <laughs> they were all above they were all above average they were good they were much better than i was expecting so yeah we said multiple times this is much better than i ever expected a branded <laughs> wine to be how could you not love that that write-up thanks very much for the free bottles of wine Everyone should go out and buy some Star Trek wine. Buy the Canar bottle. Buy the Andorian. I'm not crazy about blue Chardonnay. That is, that is strange. I would have just made some for loco. You gotta or wonder. Something. Are they? Are they? Did they go Cardassian because you don't want to mislabel it as uh, Romulan ale if it's a wine because they don't make beer. Oh, that's true. It's Andorian ale, right? I think that's what he, they call it's, it. It says. Uh, well, it says Andorian Blue Premium Chardonnay. Oh, okay. What is it, what do they call it? I think they call it Andorian Ale and Trek. Is it Romulan Ale? Andorian? Ah, I don't know. Anyway, this is called Blue Chardonnay, which is too bad. Is it actually blue? It's blue colored. It must be right. They dyed yeah, it, it is. somehow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, and it's also they also have a uh, so another Starfleet Special Reserve uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're done, guys. Thank you very much. The next one's the ANR. We will see you later.